Hey, what's up? And thanks for listening to the Aaron J. Dodson podcast. This is the podcast where I discuss the sacred text of God's Word and subjects related to it and do my best to help myself and others understand it so that we might keep God's law and observe it with our whole hearts. Psalm 119, verse 34. In this episode, I'm bringing a, another in the uh, series of the Gospel in Newsprint. And I'm just calling it newsprint in the title of the actual podcast episode. This is where I take an article written in years past by faithful gospel evangelist Kenneth Gossett, uh, who labored where I labor now uh, at Washington Avenue in Jonesboro, Arkansas. And I take an article that he wrote and I read it. Uh, in its entirety, and then I go back and make my comments and read verses and just kind of make it my own, if you will, and uh, because I want these articles to, to resurface, to, to, to come back, if you will, to be brought back uh, because they're uh, good truth and they're well-written, and also because I think that the members uh, of our congregation at Washington Avenue and those in the Northeast Arkansas area will love and appreciate that because they remember uh, our brother Kenneth and his writings for many years. Today, the article is titled, Is Truth Determined by What One Believes? And I'll read it in its entirety. He makes references to a number of passages, and I'm going to go back after I read the article and read the passages. So is truth determined by what one believes? And oh, that is such a needed and pertinent subject even today. I wish I knew the year of every article that he wrote. The years are not given. But whether he wrote this thing 40 years ago or 20 years ago, whatever the case is, this is a needed article, a needed subject, a needed topic, a needed lesson for right now and for all time. Is truth determined by what one believes? He writes, The parents of Jesus supposed, believed, that he was in their company as they returned from Jerusalem, Luke 2, 41-52. As it turned out, he was not with them at all. The search of Joseph and Mary established the fact that Jesus had tarried at Jerusalem. The truth of the matter was not changed by what they believed. The people of Samaria were deceived by Simon, Acts chapter 8, verses 9 through 11. The people of Samaria were honestly mistaken. Their thought did not change reality. They were simply deceived. When they learned the truth, they changed their faith and practice, Acts chapter 8, verses 12 and 13. The Ethiopian, a very religious man, traveled from his home to Jerusalem to worship God. However, before he completed his journey, he learned that Judaism was no longer and that his obligation was now to Christ and the gospel, Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. This sincere man changed what he believed. Let me, I read that wrong. This sincere man changed when he learned the truth. The truth which he learned was revealed, objective truth, not something he simply thought up. 
Saul of Tarsus was very sincere while he was persecuting the church. He thought he was doing the will of God and trying to destroy the church. To his credit, however, he needed only to learn the truth of God in order to confirm his life, to conform his life, rather, to it. He continues, The character of a thing is not changed by what one believes. Sin is not changed to righteousness or vice versa by one's state of mind. Poison may harm or kill even if taken while believing it to be a physician's prescription. Religious doctrines and practices which are erroneous are powerless to save even while believing them to be the truth. Remember what Jesus said, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. No, my friends, truth is not determined by one's belief and practice. God's word is truth. Amen. That is a wonderful article. I love it, and um, I'm thankful for the article, all the articles, including this one uh, that Brother Kenneth has written, is truth determined by what one believes? He starts out with Luke chapter 2, and if you're not familiar with this, I'm going to read it. Luke chapter 2, verses 41 to 52. Luke 2, verses 41 to 52, he says, The parents of Jesus believed that Jesus was in their company as they traveled from Jerusalem. As it turned out, he was not with them at all. Listen to this. Luke 2, verses 41 to 52. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. But when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they, that would be his parents, saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Jerusalem, uh, excuse me, came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. As it turned out, Jesus was not with them. Apparently, they were traveling in a fairly large company numerically. The search of Joseph and Mary established the fact that Jesus had lingered. He had tarried. He had stayed behind at Jerusalem. So they had to search in order to find whether or not he was actually with them. So the truth of the matter was not changed by what they had previously believed, that he was with them. And they truly believed that. They were not careless. They were not foolish. This was obviously a common thing. And they were godly parents. No doubt the Father in heaven gave his only begotten Son and entrusted him to godly people. They were not careless, uh, stupid people. 
They were godly and they were wise people, but they made a human mistake. And they truly believed that human mistake. They truly believed. But after they searched, that search established that Jesus had lingered in Jerusalem. That is a good illustration that the truth of the matter was not changed by what they believed. The truth was the truth no matter what they believed. The people of the, of Samaria are uh, referenced in this article. Acts chapter 8, verses 9 through 11. I'll be reading that in just a moment. Acts chapter 8, verses 9 through 11. When I open my Bible to Acts chapter 8, and you may find yourself in the same situation. If you have, like most people do, a Bible that has topical headings over different sections to help you locate different accounts in Scripture, Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, it says Saul persecutes the church. And then verses 4 through 8, it says Christ is preached in Samaria. And when you read those details in verses 4 through 8, it's Philip one of the evangelists, one of the seven in Acts chapter 6, who is sent by God down to Samaria to hold what we would call a gospel meeting. When he gets there, he finds that there are people who are deceived about a man named Simon. Notice verse 9, Acts chapter 8 verse 9. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great to whom they all gave heed. They paid attention to him. From the least to the greatest, seemingly everyone believed in this guy. They would say of him, this man is the great power of God. And they heeded him. They paid attention to him. They listened to him because he had astonished them with his sorceries. The, the idea is magic arts for a long time. So the people of Samaria believed this guy, but they were honestly mistaken. Their thoughts, their beliefs, their trust in this man did not change reality. Luke records reality that this guy was dealing in sorceries, tricks, magic arts, sleight of hand. They were simply deceived. But when they learned the truth, they changed their faith and practice. Acts chapter 8, verses 12 and 13 are a stark contrast to verses 9 through 11. Verse 12 says, But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized... He continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Again, the people of Samaria, they had been honestly mistaken. Their thought, though, their belief, their trust did not change reality. They were simply deceived. When they learned the truth, they changed their faith and their practice. You have been deceived in life before. Probably, I know I have more than once, even about things that were not as pressing as salvation, as being right with God. We may have thought one person to be someone or to be doing something, and they weren't, or they said something or told a story as if it were true, but yet it was not, and they were, in fact, deceiving us. They were intending to lead us in a different direction when all along it wasn't true. 
And our belief in that person or our trust that that person was doing good did not determine whether that person was telling the truth or not. Whether that person was practicing and believing and teaching the truth or not was what was important. And it was based upon truth. All truth is, is God's truth. And so it's our responsibility when we learn the truth that we change our faith and we change our practice. But when they believed Philip, they all heeded Simon, verse 11, because they were astonished by his magical arts for a long time. But, you see, it could be that we're deceived for a long time, but that doesn't make what we believe truth. And oh, that people would hear this truth that I'm speaking now from God's Word, not because I'm saying it, but because it's God's truth. And that is that we might be deceived for a long time, verse 11, a long time, but that does not determine truth. What determines truth is God and His Word. It's our responsibility to search and seek the truth, even like Mary and Joseph in looking for their son. Or like this man, Simon, who thankfully he also believed and he was baptized. Verse 13, we know that he desired something sinful after he was baptized. And some have argued that proves he was never saved to begin with. That is so false. That is such an assumption. What we know is that he was told, verse 22, by uh, Philip to repent of his wickedness and pray if perhaps the thought of his heart would be forgiven. And he asked, he asked Philip to pray for him. And no doubt Philip did because he was a man of God. And it says in verse 25, So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. So again, the folks had been deceived, and they had been deceived for a long time. But when they learned the truth, they changed their faith and their practice. Now the next account in the same chapter that Luke records, Luke, not Luke, but Acts chapter 8, written by Luke, Acts chapter 8, verses 26 uh, through 40 is an incredible account of a very religious man who travels from North Africa to Jerusalem to worship God. I'm going to read this account because it can't be taken for granted. Acts chapter 8, verse 26, beginning, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, that's the same man in the previous record, the previous account there, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life was taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? 
Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip went, was found at Azotus, and, Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So here you got a man of uh, high, in high regard uh, in, in Ethiopia. He is a treasure for the queen of the Ethiopians. He's got a good job. The dude is, you know, and, and, he's, and he's godly. He has been to Jerusalem as apparently a proselyte to worship God. However, before he completes this journey, he learns that Judaism is no longer. He learns about Jesus and his obligation to Jesus and the gospel. So, here you have a man who is sincere. He's seeking the scriptures. He's worshiping God. He changes when he learns the truth. The truth that he learned was revealed to him by Philip, the inspired man of God. And it was objective truth. It was not something he simply thought up. It was what the Spirit gave Philip to, to preach to this man. And no doubt the same message to others. Again, it was truth that was revealed. And what he had previously re uh, believed did not mean that that needed to continue on. Or that he was right at that time. Instead, he needed something he needed someone, and of course that someone was Jesus Christ. And we need the same man, Jesus Christ. Now another good illustration example that Kenneth uses is Saul of Tarsus, who was very sincere while he was persecuting the church. He thought he was doing the will of God in persecuting the church to destroy the church. That's why he was doing it. He was doing it because he believed he was right with God for doing it. Acts chapter 22, I'll be reading verses 1 through 16. This is when Saul of Tarsus is on trial, and he is arrested in Jerusalem by a mob, and he has permission to speak, verse 40 of chapter 21, and he speaks, saying, verse 20, excuse me, verse 1 of chapter 22, Brethren and fathers, hear my defense before you now. And when they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they kept all the more silent. Then he said, I am indeed a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, that's Jerusalem, at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law, and was zealous toward God, as you all are today. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, as also the high priest bears me witness, and all the council of the elders, from whom I also received letters to the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring in chains even those who were there to Jerusalem to be punished. 
Now it happened, as I journeyed and came near Damascus at about noon, suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all things which are appointed for you to do. And since I could not see for the glory of that light being led by the hand of those who were with me, I came into Damascus. Then a certain Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me, and he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour I looked up at him. Then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you, that you should know his will and see the just one, and hear the voice of his mouth. For you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Saul of Tarsus thought he was doing the will of God in trying to destroy the church. Acts chapters 8 and 9. To his credit, he needed only to learn the truth of God in order to conform his life to it. The character of a thing is not changed by what one believes. He believed in God. He was following the Torah. He was following even the traditions of the religious leaders. But that did not change the fact that God had a different plan for him, and that plan was the gospel. And, of course, a specific mission as an eyewitness of the resurrected Jesus, as an apostle, one sent out as an ambassador of the Lord Jesus. The fact is, sin is not changed to righteousness by one's state of mind. And we understand that when it comes to anything that might be harmful for us physically. Poison. If we take it believing that it will help us, it will still harm us and can kill us. The same idea is true of religious doctrines. The old preachers used to use this illustration, and I know I recall either reading or hearing Wendell Winkler say that rat poison is 98 to 99% cornmeal, only 1% to 2% poison. But he would say and write, but would we recommend that to our children? We absolutely would not. And again, Religious doctrines and practices that are erroneous, though they may have a lot of truth in them, they are not powerful enough to save because the power is in the purity of the gospel, Romans 1.16. And so if we practice things that are not biblical, that take us away from the fundamentals of the gospel, those things will not save us those things will not benefit us the way God intends to bless us when we do His will, when we know His will, when we do it. And Jesus taught that truth when He was teaching the unbelieving Jews of His day, but yet there were some among those that believed in Him, John eight thirty one. He would say, If you abide in My word, you are My disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. 
They said, you will be made free. Jesus said, I'm most assuredly, that's a solemn declaration. I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And so Jesus taught about being freed from the bondage of sin through knowledge and, of course, obedience to that truth. Truth is not determined by my belief or your belief or my practice or your practice. And folks, we've just got to get this. When we allow emotions to be in the driver's seat of our lives, of our spirits, of our souls, we're in trouble. But if we will allow truth and reason and logic to be in the driver's seat, then the proper emotions will follow. And we read that. You may not have picked up on that, picked up on that because I didn't mention it. But in Acts chapter 8, when the, when, the, when the Ethiopian eunuch, or as some people call him, the nobleman, when he was baptized by Philip, it says when he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. You see, his desire and truth, logic and reason, and Scripture Philip opened his mouth and began at that scripture, preached Jesus to him. All of those were in the driver's seat. His desire, God's word, reason, and logic, and, and, and his obedience came from the heart. And as a result, he had the greatest feelings in the world that God wanted him to have because he was now in Christ, a child of God, a Christian and he went on his way rejoicing. No doubt because he realized truth is not determined by my belief. It's God's word. And I'll end with that. Jesus in his high priest prayer, as we sometimes call it, John 17, he was so concerned about the apostles and also all who would believe on him through their word. Jesus would pray about the apostles. And the concept is true of all who would believe on him, in him, through the apostles' word, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Set them apart, Father. Sanctify them. How? By your truth. What is truth? Your word, speaking of the Father's word, is truth. Not my feelings. Not my belief, not my practice, not, not what my grandma always said, not what my mama always believed, not what my favorite preacher always says on TV, and he articulates it so well, and there's thousands of people listening to him in the Astrodome. No, the truth is determined by God and by Christ. It's revealed in the Scriptures. One more passage. I didn't intend to uh, lie. Uh, John 12, so it's not a lie. John chapter 12 I just wanted to add this one more to it. John chapter 12, Jesus taught those who believed in him but would not confess him. He said to them, He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. So the objective standard is truth. Is truth determined by what one believes? No, it's not. It's determined by what God's Word says. And we need to get into God's Word 
someone might say, well, we do get into God's word. Aaron, you study God's word too. I believe what I believe. You believe what you believe. What's the right meaning? Who has the right interpretation? The right meaning of scripture is whatever the original author meant in its context. And so God requires us to study the word of God carefully in order to come to the right conclusion. That's why he would charge the young evangelist, 2 Timothy 2.15, to make every effort be diligent to present yourself approved to God. That is so very important, to be diligent, to present yourself approved to God, rightly dividing, handling aright, carefully handling the word of truth. Well, this has been the Aaron J. Dodson podcast with a special uh, feature, a special continuation, I should say, of newsprint articles. If you found this helpful, give me some kind of interaction. If you can click like or share that would help me in the algorithms and hopefully put this material before other people. Thank you so much to those who are watching. You can catch me on other places. If you're listening to this and your friend or your family member uses something else besides the platform you're listening to, let them know I'm on Podbean, Apple Podcast, Spotify, and also on Google Podcast. And then I share these on Facebook as well. So find me in those different places. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.